0: Welcome to She Thinks a podcast for your love to think for yourself. I'm your host Beverly Hallberg, and on today's pop-up episode, we're looking at the January policy focus entitled "Becoming American with Health Savings Accounts." So we're going to discuss what HSAs are, why our current unequal access to them limits our freedom, and how allowing universal and robust HSAs can improve your provider and treatment options, all while making sure you have the money to access necessary care. And here to break this all down is a senior policy analyst at IWF. Carrie Sheffield joins us. She's also a columnist and broadcaster, and she earned her master's in public policy from Harvard. And she's also managed municipal credit risk at Goldman Sachs and rated healthcare bonds at Moody's Investor Service, an expert in the healthcare industry, and a pleasure to have her on. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Beverly.
0: And so when we look at the issues Americans care about right now, we're getting a lot of exit polling these days. The thing that comes up a lot is what's going on on the border, the economy in general. But healthcare is always somewhere around that. Healthcare has been an item that we have discussed for a while, especially when Obamacare was put in place. And so we're going to talk about health savings accounts. Can you first of all break down for us what are HSAs?
1: Yeah, so HSAs are right now currently as it stands, only about 10% of Americans are eligible for health savings accounts. And what these plans do is it basically empowers consumers to be able to take their money from their paycheck and put it in the HSA with pre-tax money. Uh, And so it's, it's shielded money that can be used to purchase healthcare related expenses. And so what's so powerful about it is that uh, it, you also uh, so you're not taxed when the money goes in and then you are able to invest the fund in things like a CD or other interest bearing accounts. Um, and then but that money that it, the interest that's earned on that, that is also not taxed. And then when you spend it, it's also not taxed. You don't get a penalty as long as you spend it on these healthcare care expenses the, it's called a qualified medical expense, a QME. Um, So it's a triple savings of your taxes. Why it's so helpful to have an HSA. Um, But again, only 10% of Americans are eligible. And well, why is it useful to, well, number one, you're saving a a lot of money uh, that would otherwise go to Uncle Sam. Um, and then number two, uh, you, you are more empowered as a health care consumer um, instead of having your health insurance company basically be that third party that's kind of stuck in the middle with you. Um, so we love them at Independent Women's Forum, but that 10 percent of Americans who are eligible for them, uh, it's only if you're involved in a high deductible premium plan, an HDPP um, and so we believe, and I think our my colleague makes a really great uh, argument in this policy focus for January, um, Havala Wingfield is her name, and she goes through line by line uh, and talks about why these plans are so important and how I love the title because she's saying we need to bring competition because that is the core of, of America is we're all about competition because when you have competition, then prices go down and quality goes up. And
0: I want to let everybody know that they can find that policy focus at IWF.org. So look for it there if you want even more information on this or just reiterate to reiterate what we all discussed here today. And I thought um, before we get into how do we make sure that more Americans and just 10% have access to these, we get into how these costs are covered, or how these costs are used. So as you were just saying, you can take money from your paycheck. It's pre-tax, so you're not paying any taxes. It goes into a certain savings account that you can use for medical expenses. What type of medical expenses? What if somebody says, I don't know if I'm going to need much medical care this year, what happens to the money then? But if I remember correctly, because I used to have an HSA, it even can pay for things like contact lenses, even some of those more minor medical expenses, correct?
1: Yes. Um, so, I uh, my advice would be to always make sure to check beforehand if you're if you're thinking, oh, this is definitely eligible. Always read the fine print, as they say. And so, make sure that that the expense of a qualified medical expense, at QME, that it is covered. Otherwise, Uncle Sam might come auditing you. Um, so you can use it to pay for your deductibles. Uh, I think that's the most kind of common uh, reason why uh, you're allowed to have it is because you, I mean, that's why, because you have a high deductible premium. Um, but there are things that cannot be covered, um, things um, that just make sense from from our perspective. Um, you, you can't actually pay your premium. You can't actually pay your healthcare insurance premium using these plans. And so we think they should be much more greatly uh, expanded for what can be qualified. So yes, you could pay for things like contact lenses. Um, I don't wanna go through all all of the different things, but I would say just check beforehand because there is a a pretty um, comprehensive list of what's eligible and not eligible. but unfortunately, there are other things that are not covered, um, as Havela mentions in her report, including step therapy, which is uh, certain prescription drugs that are taken step by step. They're kind of ratcheted up to be um, more serious or, or, I guess, invasive or uh, intensive as the steps go up. And so step therapy is not in- included. And so um, she does a great job of talking about how uh, the U.S. should learn from Singapore uh, in terms of how much Singapore allows uh, for their version of an HSA um, to cover a lot more things.
0: And so let's look at Singapore. As you were saying, they're the model on this. How many people in Singapore currently utilize a health savings account or at least have access to one in comparison to the 10% here in America?
1: Well, uh, it's every working adult is required to have their version of an HSA. And so it's not something that you have to opt in Here, like in the U.S., um, you actually you are mandated to be in it. And what's really fascinating is the outcome is remarkable because they spend only about a quarter uh, uh, of what we spend in terms of our uh, what we spend in our GDP in the U.S. They only spend about a quarter of that over in Singapore. So we could save about seventy-five percent of our cost. I mean, there are other things that we'd have to change that are not exactly transferable, but I mean, it's compelling to see how empowered uh, consumers are when you put the money in their hands. Um, the other thing that the Singapore government does is they require the listing of healthcare prices. So, the you know it's a big drumbeat we beat often here at IWF, which is the drumbeat of. Healthcare price transparency. Well, they mandate that across the board, and they have benchmarks for uh, procedures and and devices and things. Uh, and so you can see where your you know quoted price would fall below below or above that benchmark. But most importantly, you're allowed as the consumer to take that money and decide and shop around. And it's um, I think also Halid does a great job of pointing out that. Uh, the way Singapore has it structured is that with this HSA, your healthcare spending goes with you. It's not with your employer. And uh, she doesn't delve into the history, but my understanding of the history of your employer, you know, a W 2 employee having health insurance benefits. That was really a function in the modern era after World War Two, where you had a lot of companies scrambling to um, hire people in this post World War Two economic boom. And that was one of the, the fringe benefits that they offered was, well, we'll pay for your health insurance as part of your package. Well, in Singapore, they don't pay. They don't play that game. They say you as the individual, um, your ability to have health care savings accounts is not contingent on whether you're employed or not. And so it's really powerful because. Well you are mandated and, and here in the US you are mandated to pay health care because you pay into Medicare and Medicaid whether you want to or not. Um, but over there, instead of paying it to the government, you actually pay it into your own account. And so it's it's way more individualistic over there.
0: And to give us some context of how much one could save, whether an individual or a family, and I realize that's going to vary from person to person based on their medical expenses that they have. But how much are we talking about here, especially when we're thinking about the fact that these HSAs, you can also invest them, you can earn money on them while they're sitting there in an account?
1: Well, unfortunately, here in the U.S., the IRS caps it at a relatively low amount Um, when you're talking about if you have a high deductible plan, for example. Um, So the IRS cap for individuals is right now $3,850 for an individual. And for a family, it's capped at $7,750. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, whereas under Singapore, um, their cap is $68,500 for an individual. However, she makes the point that their average cost is so much lower for healthcare, so it would actually require some adjusting to actually say, on a relative basis, they're actually much even higher than that. But nominally, Singapore at uh, sixty-eight thousand dollars. So uh, in order of you know ten times almost as much as you're allowed to save in Singapore in an HSA each year, as opposed to what we have here.
0: And you talk about the benefit of these being portable, and I love the idea of healthcare not being tied to your place of work. that's probably because I have my own business and I had to pay my old, own health insurance for so long. Um, and so you see you see, and I had so many friends who were afraid of losing their job because they would lose their health care benefits. And so that's always a concern. But in addition to this, is it that you have to use the money within a certain time frame or because of its portable nature, it just continues to accrue? How does that work from year to year?
1: Well it, it as I understand it it does accrue um, and the if you do take money out early and you use it for something else, you know that's not a qualified medical expense, say you wanted to use it for a home repair or you know you had a flood or something and you needed to use it for a housing expense. Uh, well then you would pay a 20% penalty that the IRS would take on any money that you brought out. And that's across the board, any money you take out prematurely. Um, and But once you're after 65 in the U.S. Um, and you take it out um, and use it for a non-qualified medical expense, um, then you would just pay regular income tax. You wouldn't pay um, a normal or a 20% fee on top of that.
0: Got it. So it can also serve as a safety net for you in in times of need, which is great. And so for those who are listening right now and think this sounds great, but Don't know, do we talk to my employer who provides my insurance? Do I call the insurance company itself? Where do I begin to find out whether or not an HSA is available for me? How do I take that first step?
1: Yeah, so that's um, exactly what you would do is you would find out if you're enrolled, if your company's enrolled in a high deductible premium plan. Um, And if not, maybe you could suggest Mm -hmm. that to your employer and say, hey, this is something that we should we should look at. Um, And from a policy standpoint, um, since we are, you know, policy education group, um, you know, thinking about ways that uh, this, you know, in the U.S., how can we have policies that encourage HSAs um, and how can we educate lawmakers and policymakers about the potential here, and when you're talking about inflation, I know that's a really hot button issue. Um, it's starting to go down some, but healthcare inflation is something that is just a beast that just grows, you know, way out of proportion to everything else. Uh, I think it's like you know, college education and healthcare are, I think, the two uh, highest spiking just in the past twenty years, way above the re- you know the overall rate of, of inflation. So. Um, we've got to do something to tame inflation um, and healthcare is a big part of that.
0: Absolutely. And for those who are interested in obviously reaching out to their employers, but want to know, is there anything that's happening from a legislative standpoint, either in the States or federal government to try to open this up? Because I'm thinking of those independent contractors out there who don't have access right now. Do we see any changes in legislation to, to provide more opportunities for people to get HSAs?
1: Well, that's what we really want to, um, we really want to encourage anybody who watches this or reads the Policy Focus to uh, explore how can you uh, advocate for that in your state. So in California, um, in the Policy Focus, it's cited as actually an example of what not to do. Um, so perhaps contacting, if you're, if you're living in California, for example, contacting the California lawmakers and saying, hey, actually... What you're doing is actually discouraging HSAs very deliberately um, because not only does it apply the state income tax to the account contributions, um, but it also requires the account owners to adjust their income up by the sum of what they and their employers put into the HSA plus any interest on it. So all those benefits that I was saying earlier, that's at the federal level, but states can make things better or worse for the HSAs and in California, they're doing it for the worse.
0: And so really, I think the the thing to do is, first of all, talk to your employer to see if this is an option for you and then reach out to your lawmakers on the state level. Put some pressure on them. It always helps when they hear more of your voices out there. And for more information from our listeners, uh, if you want to take a look at this again, go to the January policy focus. It's entitled Becoming American with Health Savings Accounts. You can find it on IWF.org. But Carrie Sheffield, thank you so much for breaking it down for us and bringing us this info. Thank you, Beverly. And thank you all for joining us. Before you go, IWF does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you, An investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That's iwf.org backslash donate donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at IWF, thanks for watching.